Life is a roller coaster. I've had my share of ups and downs. I've had my ass kicked. Just a few examples. I've been shot, I've been stabbed, I've been bitten. Not by my dogs, of course. Two three-year-long illnesses, both times pronounced terminally ill. One was stage four lung cancer, and then part and parcel of that, I created so much that came with it. Homelessness, severe drug addiction, horrible depression, isolating myself from everybody I know and love, and going through it all alone, except, of course, for my beloved pit bulls. They've kept me alive. It's been a wild and crazy ride, but honestly, it's been one hell of a blessing. My friends, my dear friends, the WWE superstars, UFC icons and legends, the leaders of the Hells Angels, the Navy SEALs, spiritual leaders, movie producers, musicians, they say I've used up my ninth life, but I know that I have one more left and it's gonna be the best one yet. Life's simple these days. It's just me and my pops and doing the best I can for myself for my dogs, of course, and for as many people as I can. Part of that is I love doing my podcasts. I'm told they're equal parts inspiration and entertainment. It makes me feel like I get a chance to give something back. So my greatest hope and my biggest goal are one and the same, to take all these ups and downs and combine these experiences into something that looks like hope, strength, maybe even a little bit of wisdom. It'll all be in my book, Little Big Man, and that drops later this year. Until then, please join me on my YouTube channel at Rick Bassman and please subscribe or listen on your very favorite podcast platform. Three new podcasts every week, one each of the Cancer Warriors, the Pitbull Podcast, and Talking Tough. Hey, Amina, how are you, Hi, my dear friend? <laughs> I'm doing you. really good. How are you doing? Oh, you know, other than this little brain cancer, I'm doing great. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I got. I got to say, I I'm tired. Um, I had to set my alarm to wake up for this at 7 p.m. Um, but you know, it's like, how much can I do? Like the poor me thing. I've got my fire on. It's beautiful. Um, I was spooning with Eos on the sofa in front of the fire. Oh. I got Wilson here in the chair with me. Life is good. I got a nice glass of Chardonnay. I'm going a little girly with the wine these days. It's all I can have. I'm going right very manly with the coffee. <laughs> I like. I love. I love that mug. The brass knuckles. <laughs> that's like. That's so you. It's so perfect. The brutal person that you are. Um, <laughs> how, I already how, have a bad enough image, Rick. <laughs> well, look at you. I know now. Now you're a. Now you're a skinhead with tattoos. That's amazing. <laughs> what what a, a Japanese Cuban English skinhead. That's perfect. My um, hair is growing back though. It's at that stage where it's like I look very gay. I wasn't gonna say it because that's not cool to say stuff like that these days, but I think if well, you say it about yourself, it's okay. So I am, so <laughs> right. but I just never looked it so much before. Hey, uh, that's amazing. And Mina, Mina comes out live on the Pitbull podcast. <laughs> oh, something, something new every week. Well, I'm glad to be back here with you. Um, I know there's a lot going on in your world. And um, the guests we have on tonight, there's always a lot going on in his. You guys both have way more exciting stuff going on in your lives than I do right now. So I'll probably yap a little bit here to get things started. 
And hell, you two kids, I hope we'll take it away from there. Yeah. I'm so excited for today's guest. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Me, me too. It's like it's like I was saying to both of you independently earlier today. It's like two of my favorite people in the world, like together on this thing. This is so super cool. And you're like, you're like both unique um in so many ways. So our guests, I mean our guests, our listeners, our viewers, they know all about you. So I want to wing do one of my infamous winging an introduction and see if we can set up our guest tonight who is an old dear friend of mine named kyle schwab and kyle is the guy for better or for worse that is responsible for me being in the pitbull world um wouldn't have happened without him um shortly after i had discovered marley had been killed and ramon was still missing i was just so broken I had to be around dogs and I didn't know what to do. So I did a Google search, pit bull rescue. I think that's what I searched. This is many, many years ago now. And I come up with this thing, kind of dubious sounding, smash face rescue. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I love that's, that. that's good. I think I, I can relate to that. Boy, did I not know what I was getting into. Holy shit. So here we are, um, a decade and a half later, at least. And the, the gentleman we have on tonight is, his name is Kyle Schwab, as I mentioned before. He is, I want to go as far as saying, absolutely legendary in the world of dog rescue and in being an expert on dangerous dogs. I'm going to put that in air quotes for now, and I'm going to, we'll get you and Kyle to talk about that and expand on that because he is. They are dangerous in the wrong hands, so I think it's okay to say dangerous, but. Well, we'll you and Kyle can dive so deeply into that too. And and this guy, he turns around dogs that people have written off. These dogs are on death row and go into the chamber and Kyle steps in. And that's only a small part of what he does. I mean, as, as a human being, and I just want to touch on this briefly, he is absolutely one of the funniest, smartest, most articulate dudes I know. And he's also very, very like humble and self-deprecating. So I know he's backstage listening to this going, oh, my God, please. And he's probably like blushing if that's I don't know if he blushes or not. But if he does, he probably <laughs> would be. Um, and, he, and he's like he's like a savant. This guy knows like everything about pop, pop, pop culture. He can build a car from the ground up. Um, he's a master furniture craftsman. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It's like the, the skills and talents he has never ceases to amaze me. But the best part of it, best part of Kyle, in my opinion, apart from the fact that he's been arrested God knows how many times for beating the absolute shit out of people who abuse dogs, which makes him my favorite person. If there, none of these other act, uh, attributes existed in him, that alone would do it for me. Yeah, um, it's but, what it makes everyone go, yeah. Exactly. But aside <laughs> from all that, the reason I talked to you guys for a minute or said to you guys before we came on that, two of my favorite people in the world is that he's just like such a good dude. So we're about to introduce our audience to a guy I think is the, the best in the world at what he does with dogs that others have written off and a, a badass dude who is truly a great human all at the same time. And I want to bring on my good friend, the legendary Kyle Schwab from Smash Face Rescue. Hey Hi, Kyle. Hi. I was uh, privy to that intro, and I don't think I could do that podcast because there's no way I could live up to that. 
Oh, <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> My sister graduated college and moved out to California, and a friend of hers followed suit. She told her I was had model looks and I could be on the cover of GQ. When the girl showed up at my house, she left. <laughs> so, so you're uh, you're no stranger to being built up and then not living up to expectations. Is that it's, it? I felt so bad for her. I was assuming she was expecting Richard Greco or Brad Pitt at the door. It was just me. But, <laughs> but you are quite handsome. You're a very manly gentleman. I was at one time. But that was a that was an amazing intro. And Mina, I, the world is so big, it's it's so crazy. I in the little bit of free time that I had prior to coming on live with you, the little bit of research that I did, wow. I mean, it. I, I didn't have a clue of that everything that goes on here goes on there. And for the viewers, guys, Mina is in Japan, which is crazy. <laughs> documentary called Off the Chain. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of it, you know, dogfighting was legal in Japan up until I don't, you would know more better than me when they, um, it's only banned in some cities it's now. Not, it's still, it, they don't, they don't want to ban it because they say it's tradition. It's like sumo wrestling. You know, you know what's crazy? I've got a document. You know, what's crazy is that the way we go to theater and we dress up and we make a night of it with dinner and the whole look, that's how they go to dogfighting in a country that's going to blow you away right now. Italy. It's held in arenas in Italy with three-piece suits and ties. I've got a documentary that will blow you away. It's like, what is that event we have in the United States where everybody wears the fancy hats and they watch the horse races? Oh, the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby, thank you. That's how dogfighting is revered in Italy. It's like a status thing. Now, no I, way. I thought that Italy was really good with dogs. Well, I want... Well, we can't judge a whole country by the, the great food and architecture, but I need to go online after the podcast, do my research. I'm sure, because I've been at this for 31 years, I'm sure the laws have changed. But the documentary that I have is shocking with the double kiss on the cheeks and the girls with the hat, top hats and the guys in tuxedos. And there's eight, nine, 10, 12 rings in an arena like you're going to a UFC fight. And they're watching dog fighting. They're watching dogfighting and, and, and there's food and there's money and it's status and only the richest of the wealthiest, where in America, it's the poorest of the poor. Mm. In, in Japan, it's a family outing. You take your kids and you go out with your kids and you, it's like um, sumo wrestling or just, just traditional family stuff. What is, before we get on topic, I just want to know from my own personal, what is the flavor of the month in japan as far as dogs go i know they love their little dogs in the big cities because the high rises but what's trending there now um i would say like multi-poos and oh. and the small compact mix mix dogs yeah the kabapoos and the lasa poos and the yeah all the hype what about the frenchies is it getting crazy over there too um it's not so much here okay not really Interesting. What about what are the laws in regards to pit bulls in Japan? Are there any? There are none. No. There, there's none because they're illegal. There's none because it's not popular. Um, there, there aren't. Well, there are. There has been a, a rise in pit bulls in Japan, but they're bred horribly um, here. And um, even with the Japanese fighting dogs, the Tosainu, um, there's no regulations. You can't not have them. They do have 
like some apartments don't allow dogs over this size or whatnot, but that anyone can own anything here. So no, like no breed specific legislation at all. Nope. That's no. what you said, that blurb to me. Going back to the Tosa Inu, not to toot my own horn, but I hold the record for rescuing the longest dog in the shelter in the world out of the Sacramento. No. She was remanded to me after he was convicted for racketeering and organized crime and dog fighting. They held this dog for four years at the shelter for evidence. And I got her out and she sat on her tail for four years. I did three amputations. I tried to take off the tip. It didn't take. And oh. then I tried to take it off like a corso three quarters. And then I ended up going way above the damage. So it didn't get into the into like her rectal and prostate. Ended up doing like a Rottweiler crop on her. And I got her an incredible home with uh, two prison guards who were married. Uh, a, a, a man woman marriage and their kids and the dog is bomb proof because what happened was after four years at the shelter she was starting to show signs of um cage rage mm. shelter decided to bring in this organization i would love for rick to give a shout out later when this is edited to this organization that goes in and socializes and works with shelter dogs to make them more adoptable and this organization for four years sent a different person in every day to go. By the time I got her, I didn't do anything. She was turnkey. I would love to take all the accolades and everything. She was turnkey. When I say turnkey, cats, kids. Wow. And, and, you know, evidence dogs in the United States, they get held until they're convicted or they're not convicted. Because if they are not convicted, they have the right to that dog back. So they held her for four years and she was a Tosa. The thing is, is when they raided him and they took the dogs out of the fighting ring, she wasn't part of it. She was his personal indoor dog at his house. So when she was confiscated at six months old, she had no aggression, no bite marks. No. And he never planned on fighting her. He paid big money for her. And her name was Big Mama. Hey, guys, one quick thing for each of you. Mina, will you explain to our viewers who aren't familiar what a Tosa Inu is? Uh, Tosa Inu is from Kyushu, the part in um, Kyushu called Tosa, and that's where they were originally bred. Um, they're just the Japanese dogs like the Akitaken and the Tosa Inu, they're all named after the places that they originate from. And um, the Tosa is probably the biggest Japanese fighting dog there is. Um, they're, they're called the sumo dogs, and um, I had one myself as well. Uh, I had a Tosa and a Pitbull were my first two dogs. Um, and I remember that photo so well. Of the I love that photo. I'll have to send that to you, Kyle. It's amazing. I, I and, uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they're, like, like I said, what is an evidence dog? That's what I was going to ask, because we don't have that over here. So there's... I don't want to take up the whole podcast. So in the United States, evidence dogs can range from something as simple as not providing medical, which would be a thousand dollar fine and one year in prison, which has never happened to like a woman named Sheila Aragon, who was just caught with uh, malnourished, emaciated dogs, three of them that she was sleeping in bed with for months that had died months ago that she told the sheriff's department were roadkill. Roadkill in the United States are animals that are on the street that are dead. I always make a habit to, to pull over and pull them to the edge of the road 
so they don't get run over. But she said they were roadkill. But when we scanned her, the microchips, they scanned back to her and they were her personal dogs that she starved to death. So those dogs will remain in custody uh, until, well, she's already been, she hasn't been, she's been, she's been tried, but she hasn't been convicted. So there's a good chance she's, well, I hate to, I hate to say this. I'm going to say it. I guess Rick can edit it out later. She's white. She's got no tattoos and she's a first time offender. So she's going to walk. So she's not going to do any time because we're letting rapists and murderers out. There's no way an animal abuser would do time, but that's a, that's a thing. But here's the thing. So I was involved in a case in 2014 where I took 202 dogs off a of property until the owner pulled a gun on me and I had to call in for backup. And I, the, uh, the animal cruelty special task force and LA animal services, the fire department, LAPD and SBCA got involved in this thing with me. And they did a raid on the property without telling me because I'm not a government employee. And by doing that, they were tipped off by a shelter employee and they fled the property. They should have involved me because I was in the back door with these people playing nice, nice. And I would have kept them on the property or I would have been there to let them on the property. And I ended up getting tipped off and I got into a high speed chase um, on Sepulveda, which is the longest street in the world. And I chased them down and I cornered them in a parking lot and we were able to make the arrest. And those dogs, the judge in that case, the evidence, there were 64 or 67 evidence dogs and only two were euthanized. One was weird. It was a very extremely human aggressive pit bull, which just really never exists. They're normally, their mm. aggression is skewed towards other dogs. And the other one was suffering from cancer, which is nobody's fault. Mm. But at the day of the 67 dogs, 65 were, were put into evidence. Now, that's where a lot of my hate started because I dumped these dogs at the shelter. If you take an evidence dog and you take it to your private vet and you spend $20,000 to fix its two broken legs, you cannot bring criminal charges against that person because that vet, uh, Rick, Dr. Slayton, for example, Dr. Mm -hmm. Slayton is not a government employee. So his evidence and his, even if you showed pictures of plates and screws and pins and re doesn't matter, it has to be a city or a county shelter where the where the veterinarian is employed by the government to bring charges against that person otherwise it's so everybody that goes in all these crusaders where i live that hate me that say don't put them at the shelter no put them at the shelter mm -hmm. Pull them in the shelter put them is one part of rescue you have to be an advocate and if these people would stop talking trash and they would listen for a second because you can't listen when you're talking hayden's law hayden's law states that any animal turned into a shelter for evidence, A, cannot be euthanized, B, they cannot euthanize for space in the United States to make room for an evidence dog. The dogs to get euthanized at shelters and all these people that bash shelters should be bashing the owners of those dogs. Dogs at shelters are that get euthanized are old, they've been there too long, they have medical or they have behavioral. This is a numbers game. So when I put these dogs at the shelter and one of the shelter employees made a post that 64 dogs were euthanized to make room for mine, simply not true. My dogs were kept in the hallway in crates and they were walked by volunteers. So I was on the stand for two years. I was a government subpoenaed witness. If I didn't show up, I would have gone to jail myself because if you're a government subpoenaed witness, that was wasted two years of my life because the day I took the stand to show my videos and my evidence, they pled out, they pled guilty. So that took two years of my life and I've been hated on ever since and I could care less about those people. But what I wanted to tell you about evidence dogs are there's a new law in the United States 
And the judge in this case, it was called, I'm not going to mention names on this podcast. You can just, anybody that watches this can Google Arleta hoarding case, A-R-L-E-T-A. That's me. That's my gig. I'm not going to bash these people. They have jobs. They paid their debt to society. They have families and they've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to de-index themselves from the internet so they can't be searched. But if they pop off and I see them saying anything about me, I'll put them right on my page again and make them famous like they were in 2014 because I simply don't care. But the judge that presided over this case, there's a new law passed around 2015 or 16. If the dogs that are taken in as evidence are in such deplorable condition that the judge deems them unsalvageable or needing medical attention, that judge now, they have given the power to judges to, let me think of the right word, it's a legal word. That judge can make the owners of those dogs forfeit those dogs to the state or the county, regardless Mm -hmm. of outcome of the trial. So whether they're found guilty in a year or two because they have a good defense or innocent, they don't get those dogs. And these dogs, because of my videos and everything like that, he exercised his rights and he forfeited those dogs about two or three months into a two-year trial. That's a good judge. Because if he didn't forfeit them, we have a three-dog limit. What are they going to do? Take 64 dogs back? When I raided the property, they had one bag of dog food with 67 dogs on the property. And it was diet food that her boyfriend had stolen from a, from the veterinary clinic he worked at. So that's what an evidence dog is. But here's the thing. There's other types of evidence dogs that have nothing to do with animal cruelty. There are stolen cars that have dogs in them. There are, mm. there are people that die, love a stroke or a heart attack, and their dog goes into the shelter. That's an evidence dog, but it's by no fault of the owner. Mm-hmm. And then days later, the next of kin has right to that dog. So people say evidence dog. They always think it, it, it pertains to animal cruelty. It doesn't. There's suicide. There's natural death. There's, there's all sorts of ways that a dog can end up as evidence. If you steal a dog and you get busted, you don't get your, the owner doesn't get their dog back. Their dog gets entered into evidence and then they legally adopt it out of the shelter for their own safety so that they have a contract with the city and the state proving ownership. It's the right thing to do. It sounds twisted, but it's good because it's like registering your car when you get pulled over. It's in Mm -hmm. your name. So they make you do it that way. It's it's good. It sounds bad, but it's a good thing. That's that's really nice that you're you you you're working with the authorities and you've got like, yeah. Sorry, I go I could go into that, but I'm not. Let me grab onto that and and kind of shift only a little bit. So you mentioned about you know you know you and I Kyle and I love to talk about like tough guy stuff. Um, so. And Mina's a tough guy also, so she'll really... I was about to say, and we don't. <laughs> um, so, Kyle, you talked about, like, when you went and raided this place. You're you're pretty pretty famous or infamous, whatever you want to call it, for like, getting physical when dogs are in danger. And a lot of these stories have found them found their way into the uh, the Los Angeles media and whatnot. Can you, um like... I mean, there's, there's video, the, the videos of a lot of my fights have been taken down, but a lot of them are just indelibly marked on the internet. I really don't care. Oh, I, I think mean, it's great, man. I, you know, the show I want to make, you know, the revenge show about people yeah. who used, oh, I'm all for it. Um, So 
give tell us a couple of, of tall tales, would you? Um, uh, I'll tell you in in uh, in a format for me that I'm allowed to, because mm -hmm. my father, for, so I could have a better life, paid a large sum of money to have my record, ex what's called expunged. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, if I were to get pulled over, let's say for making a right hand turn illegally or talking on my cell phone. LAPD can't pull up my crimes. Right, it's exposed. But if I were to do something of a nature, terroristic or a rape or a murder, the uh, there are two entities that can pull. That would be the FBI and the um, FBI. There's one other entity that has access to those expunged records. Mm -hmm. People think their records are expunged. Nothing's really ever expunged. It can. It, it can. Right, so it's there somewhere. So, what, so what, would, what would we find? Uh, you would find things that would affect my ability to work for another company. Let's say a job I just put in to be an operations manager for a very large 501c3 nonprofit dog rescue. They want me on as an advisor for the behavioral dogs that get returned. Mm -hmm. That would, you know, if they ran a criminal background, that doesn't show up anymore. These are things that everything's a liability these days for me. I'm, I'm proud of what I, I never hurt anybody that didn't hurt a, a child, an animal or a woman. So for me, it's an eye for an eye. I've never been in a, I've never been in a fight at a club or a bar or never, you know, I usually let people touch me first, but it is what it is. I mean, um, but, but anyway, my dad paid a lot of money to have those records expunged. Um, it slipped out on the internet many years ago. And um, my therapist said, you need to take it and post it yourself because you need to take your power back. And then explain to people why you did what you did. And that's what makes you who, who you are. And look, I've had people Google me and not show up for adoptions because they, they don't like the name Smashface, which is just a play on Rocka Fasalis dog, short muzzled dogs. Yep. And my rescue was named by Carol Raphael Davis, one of the most famous animal advocates in the world globally. And the other thing is somebody saw my arrest record and didn't want to adopt a dog. And you know what? That dog went into a better home in, in Camarillo with a family and another dog. So um, the hate we were talking about, Mina, before mm -hmm. we went live, listen, if you have a voice, you're going to get hate. And if you're quiet and you walk into a shelter and you put a dog in a home, you're not going to get hate. Mm. Mina, let me ask you a question. I, I, I know it's a world away. But it is Asia. And I was wondering if you were privy to this story. It's really sad. Um, there was a woman, a young woman. She was attractive. She was Chinese. And she mm -hmm. was the director of a shelter in China. And she's the one that had to make a decision based on the metrics of what she was handed every week. How long has this dog been here? What is its behavioral notes? Is it green? No behavioral. Yellow, slight, red, meaning mm -hmm. it's a danger. Does it have a bite history? How many mm -hmm. cats? Somebody at the end of the day needs to make the decision of what dogs get euthanized and what don't. This is a job. These people don't enjoy their jobs. This woman was bullied online for years. People were calling her a dog killer. Uh, she wrote a note and she blew her head off. Mm. And she was an incredible voice for animals. Her shelter in China, where animals have zero rights, was one of a kind. She messed with kennel cards. She moved dogs from one kennel to another. She uh, fucked with the date dates that they came in to give them. But at the end of the day, 
if you have a hundred kennels and you get four adoptions, but you get 10 relinquishments, that's a net of six dogs that have to get put down. She yeah. Got, and she killed herself. And you were talking, I, you, were talking story, no. you were talking about getting hate. Yes. Oh, idea what we go through when they bully us because we're tough online. We're humans when we're not online. I suffer from anxiety at night. I don't sleep. When you guys are winding it down, I'm getting agitated and winding it up thinking about these people. But the best thing to do is ignore them, do your thing. Absolutely. I agree with that. But Rick, going back to your question, you know, look, there was a guy that was bringing his dog to the Laurel Canyon Dog Park to fight it. And I always missed him. And Wait, you know, bring the dog to, to fight at the Laurel Canyon. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, I wish I came across is, that guy. Is that the Great there. Dane? That's the Great Dane. There's a video of me scrapping at the dog park two years ago. Animal Plant uh, Discovery Channel came up there with me. Guy just attacked me on camera. I'm glad it was on film. I just tossed him to the ground and said, listen, if you get up, you're going to get hurt. So you need to stay there. That's it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hurt somebody just for the hell of it. So, but the thing is, look, he was bringing his dog up there to fight. I always missed him. I was either there an hour before or an hour and after. And I did something really dumb because I don't know every law. I laid in wait, laying in, laying in wait is a felony. I, I, I hid in the bushes and he got there. And sure enough, he put his dog on this girl's golden retriever. It, it might've been a Labrador. I think it was a golden dog was about six months old. His Dane was like 180, 160, 180 pounds. And uh, I se separated the dogs and I handed his, I, I put a slip lead on his Dane and I handed it to another person at the park. And then I went over to exchange words with him. And when he went to swing on me, I hit him. And, you know, I, I didn't break his jaw. When he fell, he hit the ground because he was already out. So he broke his jaw. So now I've got this $76,000 payout on my record from my insurance. So my show on Discovery Channel got canceled. My book deal, everything gets canceled. Well, nah. if Dog the Bounty Hunter has way worse of a record than me, but sometimes he had to hurt people to for justice. But nothing dog ever, dog never hurt anybody for no reason. But if you're knocking on dangerous people doors, you got to defend yourself. Dog's the real deal. Yeah. Love, but the thing is, look, the guy does, the guy got everything that was coming to him. His girlfriend slapped me in the face and I didn't see it coming. And I was really woozy and I lost my equilibrium. Um, and my sister's boyfriend was there and he put his arms under my arms until I could gather myself. So that's it. So I did, I did the time. I paid the restitution and I got banned from the park for two years. But I went anyway. I went anyway. I went every day. I don't care. Well, I know so, about this Laurel Canyon dog park situation. They're wow. not going to pull the dog park. And then... Um, you know, the guy at Runyon Canyon kicking his pit bull in the stomach. First, he killed a rattlesnake. You could just take a rattlesnake with a snake. You could throw it down into the into the valley. You don't have to kill it. So mm -hmm. he's killing this rattlesnake with a rock and he's he's um, he's dismantling, dismembering it with a rock. And then his dog was trying to get at the rattlesnake and he started kicking her in the stomach and kicking her in the stomach. And she started bleeding rectally and out of the mouth. And this girl intervened and he slapped her in the face. Wow. And I'm sitting there watching this with a friend of mine who I'm not going to mention. I don't want her, her 501 to be, she's too famous. And I don't want her 501 to be involved in this. But she's like, are you going to do something? And I'm like, I'm going to see how this plays out. And the boyfriend went up to talk to him about, and he knocked the guy out. So I met up with the guy in the parking lot at the top of Runyon. I was waiting for him. And I handed my dogs to the 
DWP worker. Sorry, they're not DWP. They were the workers that were putting in the sewer in the street. I don't know what that is, but I handed the dogs and I approached the guy. She was bleeding out of her ears and her nostrils and her mouth and her rectum. She was a white pit bull. I send you the photo of my hand. Needless to say, you know, my hands are all bionic. I mean, every my hands have been plated so many times. You're in the fight game. You know how easy it is. Boxers fracture, oh, yeah. super common injury. But when there are no gloves, your hands just shatter. Yeah. So I pummeled this guy and took his dog and I got the dog to animal control. And it's really interesting. He comes to and he starts walking down Mulholland without a shirt on. And this girl is coming to hike this really fit playboy type model looking girl is coming to hike with their top down on her convertible and i don't i've never been on your podcast before i'm not sure what i can say and what i can't say you're okay took out his private parts and he rested them on her door on the 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 passenger side of her car when she was putting the top up and rolling the window down this guy's a bloody mess his face he's unrecognizable obviously on something because any human with the amount of times i hit him would have been unconscious but he wasn't so I ran over there and I clotheslined him old school WWE and took him down. And that's when the, um, uh, he wasn't arrested by LAPD. It was the, um, park Rangers that came. It was the park Rangers. And that's it. Cut to the chase about two, three years later. I'm at this place called rock and sushi, Dan eating. The owners are Korean Japanese and they were my landlords that rented me my house in studio city. So I'd like to support them and give it back and, and eat there as often as I could. And I'm sitting there and there's a guy with his girlfriend and she keeps pointing at me. And I'm literally, I can't eat and I'm shaking because this guy is a monster. And I know what she's doing. She's one of those pot stirrers that's going to, yeah. hey, my, this guy's looking at me. You know the guy because you're in this game. I don't know his last name. His name is Dan. He was one of the original uh, American gladiators. He's half Asian. Oh, Dan Clark, Nitro. Dan yeah. Clark, cancer survivor. He's, he's a good dude. He's a heart attack yeah. survivor. Yeah, yeah. So he's, 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 he's a good guy. Yeah. And pointing at me, and I'm telling my friends, they all in Glenn. I said, "That's Dan from American Gladiator. This guy's gonna, this guy's gonna shred me. I mean, I'm only, I'm, I'm tough, but I'm not that tough, right? And Dan's looking at me, and he motions, and he does this from across the restaurant. And I almost started crying from fear. And I, I'm not going to not come. I'm not going to not go over there. But I have a lot of, there's a lot of trepidation and a lot of, I had a lot of reservations about going over there. So I asked they all and Glenn, you guys have my back? And thankfully, Glenn's a professional hockey player. <laughs> Those guys are crazy. And they said, yeah. And I went over there and he sticks out his hand and he goes, I just want to thank you for saving my wife's life. And I'm oh, like, what? Well. Girlfriend. So that was the girl in the car. She recognized me. Oh, oh wow that's so cool so at the end of the day we spoke for about five minutes i was completely just very touched told him i watched the kid grow watch the show growing up as a kid and then he left and he said goodbye and then when we went to pay he took care of our bill oh nice how cool that's he's a good dude he's a real good dude he's a dog lover yeah i know i know dan yeah of course what does he have labradors i think he's got labs i don't remember i am not sure yeah he's he was on my other uh, podcast, Talking Tough, uh, not too long ago. He's a good yeah, dude. Was he ever a fighter or he just did American Gladiators? American Gladiator. Yeah. yeah. But athletic. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And he, was, and, he looked, and he looked the part, for sure. I was, I was terrified. You know, I'm only tough when I'm angry. 
he called me over and had he started with me, he would have pummeled me because I need the adrenaline. I yeah. need I need something to I need something that you know mm -hmm. fuels your fire. Get me going. So so Kyle, what what is what is the state of pit bulls in the US now? And the reason I asked that is a, is a such a big question. You know, it, in my mind, I've heard you say recently a few times in different conversations we've had that the tar the target's not as much on their backs as it used to be. Um, my ex no, my experience was different, but I would defer to you. You would know a lot better than I would. The um, target the target is there. the The popularity is not. So the so the numbers are down. Right, right, right. But okay. hey, guys, quiet down. So the so the the numbers are down, but the target is there. I I adopted a pit bull named um um. I can't think of his name right now. I adopted a pit bull around 2004 to my buddy Wagner, per, uh, Wagner Pereira. He's a uh, he's a Brazilian uh, film editor, and I wouldn't give him the dog. And he chased me down, and he chased me down, and I wouldn't give him the dog. I didn't like his look. I didn't like him. I didn't like anything about him. And I judged him, and he said, "I want you to come to my house and see what I do." I went to his house, and that dog was there that day, and that dog lived a life of luxury and had the best life. I misjudged him, which just never judged somebody by their looks. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Wagner reached out to me crying and he was on his way to the vet. And he said, Diesel's dying. And I said, well, I'd like to see him before he goes, because when I adopt a pit bull, I'm usually there with my adopter when they die, if they're in state and I'm available that day, I like to be there for the euthanasia, not any other breed just my pities. And I said, how long do we have? Weeks, months? He goes, what are you talking about? He says, I'm on the way to the vet now. Well, thankfully his vet is in Van Nuys. And when I got there, he asked me to film it because he wanted me to send it to him so he could make a documentary like Greg Plitt did when Greg's pit bull died. Remember Greg Plitt, mm -hmm. the fitness model? Yeah. 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 Who mm -hmm. died on the train tracks. Mm -hmm. So I filmed it with this very phone that I'm holding with you. And then I get home and I go to send it to Wagner, but it's 42 minutes. So it's too big. Hey guys, quiet down. Or you're going to Rick's house. Wilson will school. Wilson just shut my light off by the way. So, so I feel to be on a terror. Peaceful, beautiful euthanasia because the dog went, the dog had lymphoma. So it went so fast. He was ready to go. He had the sunken in mandibular, you know, mm -hmm. cranial sunken, his eyes. He was, Wagner did the right thing. He's not one of these entitled white, I'm going to let my dog, I'm going to make it breathe through a straw and give it fluids until it passes naturally. He did the right thing. So he asked me to film it. So it was like 42 or 46 minutes and there was no way for me to get it to him. I couldn't figure out how to get it to him. So I tried text. I tried email. I tried Dropbox. There's just no way to take a file that big because he we handed the phone around to everybody in the room, all his businesses, and everybody had talked about a little antidotal story about diesel. You know, a little, a little, you like when people die, how you mm -hmm. celebrate them in life. It's a beautiful video. It's a really good video. And I thought to myself, I know what I'll do. I'll upload it high definition from my Wi-Fi to my YouTube channel. 
I'm not even a popular YouTuber. I have like 10,000 subscribers. I only use YouTube when somebody can't train with me because they're out of state or out of the country. I'll make a tutorial video and then send it to them. And then they have to report back to me and then they'll pay me via Zelle or Venmo and I can train dogs all over the world. That's the only time I use it. So I used it. So he's an editor. He has a, he has a program called YouTube Grabber so that he can grab video. Well, I forgot to delete it. Now it pays me every month because it's got 5 million views and it's viral. And now, now I'm on TikTok. I watch TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. It's all over TikTok. People are grabbing it. But my point in this whole story is there are 5,000 comments. I'm going to say half of them are disgusting. Oh, look, another child is safe. Oh, that dog, why why spend the money on ketamine? He could have taken a bullet to the head. Oh, fuck yeah. that. I would have let him suffer. He's not thin enough. You're a piece of shit. Who posts things like this? You're a sick fuck. Well, I used to answer these people. I don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the time or the energy for ignorance in my life. Euthanasia is real and it's the right way to do it. And this whole trend, Mina, I don't know what's going on in Japan. There is this weird movement in the United States to let your pets go naturally. Who does they, that? They do this. This has been a thing in Japan for so long. What? It's really hard to find vets that will actually put your dog to sleep. We had to do one in um, December. She had a massive tumor on just under her anus, like between her anus and her vaginal opening. And the vet said that the the surgery is going to cost seven hundred thousand yen. Um, she wouldn't eat; she was miserable. So I decided, okay, wait, it's wait, time for her. The people watching the podcast, seven hundred yen is what in U.S. dollars? Oh, seven hundred thousand yen is like seven thousand oh, U.S. dollars, I think, same, something so like that. There, as it is here, it's expensive. Hey. And um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I. If, I mean, it's really hard to find a vet that will actually, they they want to do the whole thing. I mean, they're leeches over here because they want to earn as much money and they keep your dogs alive even when it's not humane anymore. No, no, no. I, I Rick, you're familiar with Aroma Cafe on Zahanga, right? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Where everybody lines up and eats the good food, very dog friendly. Mm -hmm. So when I lost my furniture stores, I lost all my kennels. I lost my kennels. So... There was a guy that would come to my stores. I, I, I was a furniture manufacturer and a designer, and then I was a retailer. Every one of my retail stores had, had kennels in the back, licensed by the city kennels that were inspected, real kennels. And I lost the store, I lost my kennels. And that's why I, my rescue hasn't grown. I'm just this little independent guy with a big mouth. But um, there was a guy and he used to come and he volunteer and walk the dogs that were in my kennels behind the store. Because when I went home at night, I could only bring so many home plus my personal dogs. So they would stay in the kennels, but they had sofas and chairs and it was covered and heated. This, he was a great guy and he was an animal lover. He was a cat person. He had like four cats and he was a great volunteer. And he was a little, um, he was on the spectrum, but extremely intelligent and kind and very responsible. No dogs ever slipped their lead. And I might, my store obviously was a retail store. It's on a main boulevard called Ventura Boulevard. 
I close my stores and I go to eat at this cafe that Rick knows about called Aroma Cafe. And I bump into him. His name is Stuart. And I bump into him. And he's all excited to see me. I'm excited to see him. And I had, it had been a couple of years. And as you know, in rescue, there's nothing uglier than a cat dying. Dogs, embolism, aneurysm, cancer. We put cats, that, that renal failure, that kidney failure. They just, <laughs> it's ugly compared to a dog. It's ugly. So I was talking to him at Aroma. And I said, how are your cats? He says, I'm down to one. I said, yeah, it's been a while. I haven't seen you. You know, how did they go? How did they go? And he started telling me about how he just, they stopped eating. And sometimes they would hang on for two weeks, three yeah. weeks. And I said, wait, you, now I didn't want to say anything. It's a public and he's on the spec. It, there's lots of weird. I was also with people, but I came home and I blocked him on my phone. I blocked him on social media. He was telling me that it was taking them weeks, if not months to die. Like you telling me you just had a gluten-free tofu donut from Japan. Like, I, I mean, it was like, he didn't even give, there was no conscious there. And he told me that he had seen it online and it was the most humane thing you could do. To me, that's animal cruelty. Yeah, I have um, opioids here for cats because I have um, cats with leukemia and I only take in uh, terminally ill cats. So they all have an ugly ending coming up. And so I have a stock of opioids that are for cats, not humans. Um, and then at, at the end, I just inject them with, and, and they go into a dream state and it's over nicely. So it in other just, words, you're ethical and you care. I'll, I want to ask you guys both a personal question. Are you guys fans or not fans of Kevorkian? What's that? I'm a big fan. Uh, Kevorkian was a doctor, a licensed MD in the United States, mm -hmm. who developed a suicide machine. For uh, people. Al, can I let me let me give you my answer real quickly? Okay. All right. So you know, I've I've got my kind of I've got my end kind of like all planned out. It's all revolves around my dogs, and they're all going to be incredibly well provided for. No one's going to a, a shelter, and I know why. That's sometimes a good thing to go, as you explained earlier. Um, for me, oh yeah. A beach chair, a great bottle of red wine, and a giant bottle of sleeping pills, and a giant bottle of uh, narcotic pain pills, and I'm gone on the beach. Dude, I'm all for it. Absolutely. To Thank you. Beautifully stated. And if you have the sound mind and physical ability to do that for yourself, because that's your choice. Yeah. I think Kevorkian worked with people who were no longer mobile or ambulant. Mm -hmm. So he was able, they were able to put their finger on the machine to allow the drip and he was either loved or hated. There's no oh, in between. They called him Dr. Death. He's amazing. Well, okay. Yeah, no, I know who it is now. Cause I had an uncle that, that got really sick and they kept him on life support. He was a vegetable for two years before he passed away naturally. And it was just, it was oh. ugly to see, but my hard, family I, wouldn't take him off life support. Hard on the family. And we say they're vegetables, but we don't know their frame of mind if they're conscientious. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have that technology yet. Do you know, not resuscitate right DNR. Now. Yeah. Sorry, I, Kyle. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying DNR, do not resuscitate. No, thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. my man. And it's like, I've told my friends, like, if, if things like slip through the cracks, 
and I end up in a hospital bed, I go, the last thing I want to do is wither away and die in a hospital bed. I go, please, when no one's looking, put a fucking pillow over my face. Just like finish it off. Absolutely. All for it. People are so brave. I, I have a fear of death and, and I've gotten better over the years. I'm on TikTok because I don't have TV because the news uh, exacerbates my anxiety. So mm -hmm. I do TikTok at night and I've got my algorithms right where I want them. Fitness, nutrition, and animals and, and a little bit of car stuff. Um, I'm watching a lot of people with TikToks that are terminally ill face the camera and talk every day about their, their journey with death. And they're either not scared and they're stoic or they're, this is a coping mechanism. I'm not sure, but I'm not crying. They're not crying, making the videos. I'm crying. Mm. How do people do that. How do they stare at the camera and, and, uh, we're not chronologize. Uh, what's it called? What's the word, Rick? Um, yeah, I, I don't know the word, but I can answer your question for you, though. It's um, I think it's somewhere between a coping mechanism and what, what, what was the other things? Oh, and having no fear. Um, like, you know, for, for me right now and dealing with what I'm dealing with, uh, it's like I would sit here and look at you guys right through the camera eye and say, I swear to God, I have no fear at all. Because maybe that makes me sound, I think it makes me sound cool to say it. I don't know. Mind, mind over matter. Y yeah, for sure. But you know, the bottom line is I, I, I hid this diagnosis for a while and now I'm like pretty public about it. And it's like, it helps me to process what I'm going through for sure. But also, you know, it's like they, they say, and we're getting way off the Pitbull podcast, but that's all right. We can do this for a minute. <laughs> and then I don't want to get, do some Pitbull stuff for sure. But um, Kyle, I'd say this. The, the more that I can talk about it and be and find the positive side of it, what's the positive side of going through something you're to die from? Well, you learn things while it's happening. You learn to put things in perspective. You learn to do things like not watch the news, which you said a moment ago, because it just poisons your brain. You seek out positive things, which makes your brain feel better. Maybe you change to a vegan diet, which I did, although I still drink my wine and my sake. Um, are, and you, are you a cancer podcast? Are you going to talk about how animal protein can exacerbate cancer? Are you going to? You know what? I don't know that we'll talk about that. If it comes up, we would certainly, okay. absolutely, because that's pretty, you know, pretty well known fact at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But. Um, mm -hmm. Dude, it's like when, when, when you get to a point, and I think about this with my dogs, man, because you you know better than I am. Mina knows better than I. Dogs don't have that rational thought process. I know Wilson doesn't sit around and go, oh, my God, I used to be able to see, but now I'm blind. I'm so sad. They're, in the, they're in the moment. They're exactly. In the moment. So it's that's exactly it. So for me, it's all a process of really doing my very best to be in the moment. And as cliche as this may sound, it's like, just appreciating what you have and what's around you as opposed to the opposite, focusing on, you know, what's lacking, what's missing, what I don't have that I think I need, so on and so forth. And do, you know, life, life is good. And when it's time to go, it's time to go. Anyway, I'm That's way up right. on a tangent now. Guys, <laughs> I'm going to give you two seconds to talk shit about me. I'm going to switch play groups. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Switching play groups. Kyle has a, um, massive monster uh corso there now a kind of corso oh uh, i yeah. think i've seen um seen photos yeah he's posted quite a bit about it this dog was one of those dogs that the, you know and they he pulls him from, like the east la shelter which is 
the gnarliest shelter there. I think, I'm not sure that's where this one came from, but he pulls them from the shelters that the people don't want to venture into. And these are the dogs that even the shelter workers are afraid to approach. That oh, wow. Say, uh, and we'll, let's get them to talk about that a bit. They'll say, this dog is dangerous. This dog is vicious. This dog cannot be rehabilitated. Um, and that's where Kyle steps in. And mm. they'll come in and they'll grab these dogs. This one's been an interesting case. I've been following it in his posts. He's usually able to turn them. And by turn them, I mean, you know, sit there with them, play with them, love on them, put them with another mm. dog. This one presented a lot bigger challenge than usual. And he's actually been kind of like beating himself up about it a little bit on social. Um, but I know he's making the turn now. Kyle, we were talking shit about you. So I heard the Connie Corso comment. You know, if I get one more request to train somebody's King Corso, K-I-N-G, if you don't know what car you drive, did you go, when you bought your car, you went to five different dealerships to compare five different electric cars. And then you went online to see where you could get the cheapest lease and what up. But when you buy a dog, you see something on TikTok or YouTube, you buy it. And then two years later, when it, because you, your, your head is bigger than your will, because mm. you have to own these dogs, you have to have a strong will and physical prowess. And I got a, I got a message today. This lady wants me to train her King Corso. It's Kane, which is dog in Italian. And then she tells me she's on limited funds. I mean, I got to pay my rent too. I do so much for free. You have no idea. Yogi Yogi was with Sherry for a year. I had no idea until she paid tribute to you the other day that Yogi was with her for you. That's how long that woman was in. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought Yogi was with her for a month or two. That's and right. I know that her facility is not cut out for large dogs. And Sherry, when Sherry told me he was turnkey with no issues, to me, that automatically tells me he has issues because that's why most rescues give their dogs to me. Sherry, who's one of the only... <laughs> honest people out there. He literally was turnkey. I cannot attribute anything that I did here to his behavior. The way he is with you is the way he came to me. I would love to take credit. You just got a good dog. And I want to use that to circle back to pit bulls. When we do these podcasts, you're going to, Rick's popular guy, he's going to get 2000 comments and, and, and 1800 are going to be positive. And then there's going to be someone, oh, I had a pit bull that played with my kids and I had a pet rat. And okay, that, that's an anomaly. We're, we do this to educate everybody. Look, I have a Corso here that if you look at her wrong, she falls on her back. But it's not indicative of the breed. So I just want to say, look, we're not hating on pit bulls. We just want to make people aware. See, Rick, going back to pit, Rick has five pits. Five pits in a house is not a good idea. But here's the deal. They vary in age. They vary in sex, and he does the most important thing that a pet owner can do. He does something that only professionals do. He micromanages his dogs. And that's why when Rick goes out and gets his chemo and his radiation, and he goes on a trip and he comes home, he doesn't come home to a bloodbath like all these rescues you see. Oh, my God, they saved that dog. They saved this dog. What they don't show you is cleaning up the mess and putting the dog in the dumpster behind their humane pusser. He's got the right crates. He's got the right equipment. He's got the right trainer behind him. He's got, you got to segregate. You got to micromanage these dogs for life. Not for the first year, not for the second year, but it's like having children. As long as you're a parent, even if your child is emancipated at 18 or 21, you are a parent forever. And then your child can choose to walk 
and take their own path like I didn't be stupid and waste your life away and now I'm made something of myself or you know dogs don't have that choice we have to make every decision for them you know why Rick's one of my favorite adopters he reaches out to me for what he thinks are the most minuscule little things but they're not they're little tiny behaviors that he sees because he's got five pits they're little mm -hmm. things and I tell him that's okay but that other thing is not because that other thing is a predecessor to what's going to cause you to get bit not because his dogs are human aggressive just getting in between two males so like mm -hmm. rick has a male who he just spent a fortune on doing double uh acl surgery both knees yes yeah, and a luxated patella that dog's got so much pent-up energy in a week or two when when dr slayton gives him the go that dog can't play with my mm -hmm. dog rick just took with um not wilson with um yogi yeah, okay. No, the red yeah, one. Yeah. Oh, moose. 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 They need to be segregated. Yeah. One on one is the best. Two on one is where you have trouble unless you're in the backyard managing that play group. You can mm -hmm. leave the males out for four days because you got in a car accident. Come on, they're going to be fine. When there's a third dog to instigate, that's where it all pops off. That's why Rick, ever since I've known him, has never had anything happen other than these coyotes jump into his backyard, which, which is an act of God. But but he never calls me. Oh, dude, he got a bite. He got a he got because he micromanages his dogs. I I actually would wish Rick was even harder on his dogs than he is, but he's not. But he he doesn't have to be because his pack varies. He's got a blind boy. He's got mm -hmm. an older, older girl, older female dogs. They're not. They're never. They're just yeah. She old female dogs are the best dogs in the world. And yeah, males. His males are really good. Yogi, I gave him, happens to be really good, who's probably not all pit. And then and then his little red guy. Um, Moose or Wilson? Moose, Moose yep. has this thing that I always try to explain to people. So Moose plays vocally. So we just, I was explaining to Rick when I brought, that we need to teach OG, who's now Yogi, that that's the way he plays so he doesn't, we don't miscommunicate. And he doesn't take that growling like my assistant's dog, Sassy. She's also a vocal player. And that's why I didn't leave OG the first day. We had a really nice first mm -hmm. meet greet. We went back and there's this recognition. Yogi knew the house. Mm -hmm. he, knew this, he knew Rick's side door because they don't forget. He knew the side door. He knew where we were entering the yard. I was going to do a third meet and greet, but the first two went so well. And Rick is so well versed in pitbull behavior that mm -hmm. on the third time if we did the adoption i was going to do three and then leave them um i was thinking rick before we went live you're known for so many other things if people ask me what is rick bassett i always say he's in the fight game that's how i met you that's how i met you i honestly don't think people realize how much you've done for this breed i think people think that you need Appreciate that. People think you need to walk into a shelter, take a dog out and put it in a home to rescue a dog. Do you know many dogs Rick has helped by educating people, by volunteering endless hours? I was blown away in the last couple of months getting to know Rick better. All the countries he's been to, including yours, yeah. and all the work he's done, not just here, but for huge organizations. He never yeah. bashed, even if people are in over their head. I noticed, I asked Rick how, how a mutual friend of ours is doing. He says, she's in over his good. He doesn't go down that road. 
because all that does is hurt the animals. Mm. We were about bullying. These people are stupid because at the end of the day, when you talk shit about, for example, someone like you, and then that one person says, because they heard it on the internet, it's true, and then they don't adopt a dog from your sanctuary, they're not just hurting you, they're hurting that dog. Rick always Rick always takes the high road. I need to I need to start imploring that that uh, that DNA that he has built in. He's a guy that doesn't get bothered by much. Except but, I want to beat up people that hurt pit bulls. Yeah, yeah but that sounds like fun. Rick, Can we Rick, like start thing. a gang or something? Here's the thing. You know the lar- the one hundred largest human beings in the world. That you have something that none of us have. You have <laughs> guys that if you got in trouble would step up because here's the thing, they're not WWE, they're real fight. Mm-hmm. I have resources. Yes, I do. My Hells Angels buddies and my Russian mob buddies and my Israeli Mossad buddies and various other gangsters. Yes. It's all, right, all well, good. and we got Yakuza on the phone now too. <laughs> yes, we do. The head of the Yakuza right there. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Let's let's talk about pit bulls. Oh my gosh. Um geez, Mina. What do you want to talk um, about? Pit bulls. Well, why why are you into pit bulls now then? I my my rescue is a um where is that? My rescue is a behavioral and medical mastiff rescue. I will always have one pit bull in the program to give back to the breed. I started as a pit bull rescue in 1991. I was wow. I was 19 or 20 and I did pits for about the first seven and a half, eight years. And then I skewed over to Mastiffs. And now I wouldn't say I'm exclusively a Connie Corso rescuer, but that's the most unstable breed in the world. And that's what I want to work on. I want to work on breed legislation. I don't even think they should be allowed here, to be honest with you. But the the ticking in the news of pit bull attacks has been down. I was talking to Rick about this like a month ago. I said, did you notice? It's just, they're, they're not the it dog anymore it we're american so we 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 um we exploit something and then we came out with the american we came out with the little um colby pit bulls back in the 30s that were 40 45 pounds and then we moved into the american pit bull terrier then we moved into the staffordshire bull terrier and then we moved into the double xls the ones that just got abandoned in england not banned. Yeah. i'm sorry we're a muzzle now yeah we're now we're done. We hit the 110, 115, 120 pound mark. We're done. So then we went to exotic bullies. That wasn't good enough. Then we fucked up the Frenchies. And now we're on to Mastiffs. So everybody thinks they can handle a Corso. Everybody wants a Corso until they get one. And now it's a fucking epidemic. It's an yeah. epidemic. Connie Corsos are an epidemic. They're the next pit bull. Here's the difference. Pit bulls have a propensity for dog aggression. Connie Corsos don't like people. That's an issue. Because you could take a dog that doesn't like dogs and put it in a home as an only dog. Yeah. I got a dog here. If you guys come over and I introduce you to, I say, hey, Faith, this is Mina. Faith, that's Rick. Go kiss her on the face. She'll fine. Uh, my fear is that somebody's running from the police and they, they jump into my backyard. They're done. They're done. They're done. They're done. It's over. These dogs are extremely dangerous and people are in over their heads in dogs did i say at the laurel canyon dog park years ago i used to go frequent there and this is going to stay with where you are then we'll go back please i'm at the park i've got ramon and gogo 
And these two gentlemen, two Middle Eastern gentlemen, doesn't matter what they were. They could have been Jewish like you and me or Japanese and Cuban like Mina. These two guys approach me and they go, hey, excuse us, excuse us. We've been watching you with your dogs. I'm like, yeah. And they go, hey, we see that you're really good with them. And we have some questions for you. Do you mind if we ask you? And I said, no, no, that's fine. Absolutely. Of course. I remember. That. So I'm like, they go, yeah, we just got two dogs today. And we don't really know anything about them yet. So we kind of want to learn what to do. This is and the I'm greatest like, story ever. I love this. And I'm like, so, you know, are your dogs at home? Well, you guys are here checking stuff. Oh, no, no. We brought them with us. I'm like, oh, okay. Where are your dogs? They're like, over there. I turn around and look, and it's like a pair of 120-pound jet black Connie Corsos. And I'm like, uh, bye. <laughs> I like, took Ramon and Gogo and fled for our lives. Oh, my Rick, God. I want, I want to go back. I want to, I want to make a point, and I'm going to do it politically correctly, and then I guess you can edit it if you need to. So... Every culture has a different trait. So black people have dark skin. White people have light skin. Asian people have a slanted eye. Mongolians are slanted this way. So we all, so we have, you said they were Middle Eastern and then you backtrack because it's a podcast. So I'm going to tell you because I don't care what people think about me. Every breed has a nationality of a person that's attached to that breed for whatever reason. So what you did was you generalized. So yes, amongst Armenians and Middle Easterners, these dogs are a status symbol, like their G-Wagon and stuff like that. In Japan, you live in high rises, so everybody wants the toy two to three pound Yorkies or Morkies. And then in the South, everybody wants a hound. And then in the Midwest, everybody wants a livestock dog, like a Great Pyrenees or a Kangal or a, or a, or a um, Caucasian mountain dog. So ethnicity has everything to do with the dogs that I rescue, everything to do with the dogs I rescue. Because without naming a specific nationality, 80% of my Connie Corsos come from one particular nationality. It's, it's, it is what it is. So we are, so somebody once called me a racist and I said, I'm not a racist, I'm a racialist. And she said, what's that? And I said, Google it. She said, that's rude, you sound pompous. I said, okay, so let me tell you what that means. I don't care if you're purple, black. I'm a Jew. I mean, if you can't tell, look at this thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what you are. If you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit. Even if you're my own peeps, I don't care. So you're a racialist means you don't like bad people in general. A racist is someone who groups an entire nation together. Yeah, yeah. I'm blown away right now. And I, of course, I'm an internet junkie. When I hang up with you guys tonight after I eat, I, I just can't believe that there's dogfighting in Japan in such a a, uh, a um, forward-thinking, yeah. logically advanced, the best cars in the world, peaceful culture, and it, I'm blown away. I I, I it doesn't it doesn't jive, does it? It doesn't. It, it, there's uh, things about Japan that people don't know. Um, for example, I was doing something at the city office, and they needed some papers and they asked me to fax it i'm like can i just not email you they said no it has to be a fax i'm like that we still live in the times of faxes we have robotic waiters that that you just input your food and they bring your food but we still rely on faxes in government buildings it's really weird you say that so i 
I did a trade show called the LA trade show and I sent some samples to Japan. So this guy named Yuichi and he was interested in me exporting my product to Japan because they love made in USA. And like a month later, I get a fax. And even though there were cell phones and internet, all my orders from Japan came via fax in Japanese. Yeah. They, didn't even take, they didn't even bother to translate. I had no idea what pieces they wanted and how many. My friend Naomi Matsuda, she would read me the orders. But I had a great relationship with Japan for years. Not once, besides them coming here and filming me for Japanese TV, not once did they ever place an order in a text, an email. <laughs> I know. Is this, so it's I how this, it is here. I kept this old facts, and you know, you got to read them right away because they fade. Yeah. But, it's facts. And um, I mean, they have toilets that will sing to you and wash your bum. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're still using fax machines, and, and it's. <laughs> So it's really weird. It's pretty backwards, actually. Still, like, like dog fighting. Well, I, that blows me away, too. And all the times, you know, you and I have talked, I can't believe I we've never talked about that before. That dog fighting is not only acceptable, but encouraged. It's so legal, yeah. It's a Rick, family Rick, day out. Americans are late to the game with dog fighting. Dog fighting has been going on in, in Central Asia and Europe, Europe for thousands of years these copycat americans they just came on you know 80 years ago 70 years ago well i wish they'd all go away and one of my one of my warm fuzzy wishes pit yeah. bull, pit bulls, are, pit bulls are not even from america people call them an american pit bull terrier yeah. Not, yeah they all they all came from england the only dog born and bred and created in the united states there's only one breed that did not come from europe one and that's the boston terrier Everything else has European bloodlines, including the pit bull. And as much as people want to say the American pit bulls are the American, no, sorry, they all came from Europe because well, the yeah, pit bull is a conglomerate of many other dogs that are extinct, like the white terrier. The white terrier has been extinct for a hundred years. There's a little bit of white terrier in the pit bull, which gives them their tenacity. And before the brothers were murdered, there's a little bit of white terrier in the Argentinian dogo. But there's other stuff in oh. pit bull that make that give them that high pain tolerance that drive that endurance and that just tenacity that just no other dogs has if you have the right owner you can harness that energy and you can create a great pit bull or you can take that because they're so trainable and they have such a propensity to want to scrap it out you could take that and that's why people fight pits because they stay in it Pitbull fights last four, five, six, seven, you, eight hours. You end up with this unadulterated viciousness. Look at that. <laughs> Blind. Right there. Right there. Nina, I went to introduce OG to the pack, and he let little Wilson out. blind. So I whistled, and he he, he immediately he honed in because his hearing is probably 20 times that of another dog. And he ran. He never stopped. Full speed. And I was out. Of, it was on my butt because I was kneeling down to greet him. Rick doesn't tell me he's blind. <laughs> oh gosh! Beelines <laughs> like I'm a tree. And I'm I was my... there in September um, at Rick's house, so I I know all the dogs except for OG. OG looks to me like he's half English bulldog and half pit because he's exactly. got like a really. I was bulldog. thinking like boxer also, but I haven't. I've only oh, seen like videos either boxer and pit or bulldog and pit. Um, 
I was going to suggest the DNA, but we don't even know what what. Um, uh, who cares? I never care what they are. I just we don't even know what Rick is, so we should start with Rick before we do the dogs. Who cares? No, I call him. Uh, I call him Beauty and the Beast, all rolled into one. Um, he is a little. He's a little like uh, canine bodybuilder. Oh my God, Rick! You said you don't care about the DNA. Mm -mm. Irina called me two days ago. Remember Irina? Yeah, my oldest. Sister. She called yeah. me. She wants to do a DNA on Tyson, which is her corso. Okay. He's 100% Corso. And I said, why? She goes, well, not because I want to know what he is, but if you pay extra, they do that lineage thing that tells you if he has a propensity for cancer, if they have. Okay, you well, know. there you go. And I said, why do you want to know that? Because you have anxiety like me. You're going to you're gonna, you're gonna look mm -hmm. for that. Every little diarrhea, oh, he's got bladder, bloody, he's got. No. Do you really want to know? And she's like, because there's anything that comes on that, um, you already feed the best food and you already exercise the shit out of your dogs. Yep. So if cancer's in their bloodline, why do you want to know? Yeah. And now she's debating whether or not she wants to do it or not. But I said, you can't prevent anything. You got to give your dog the best life and that you can. And just like people, they can have a corn, they can have an aneurysm or an embolism and diet too. Or if you got pit bulls, they go 20, 21 years old. Yeah. I, I yeah. said, don't do it. But at the end of the day, the reason the reason rescuers do the DNA is we don't want to put a dog in the house that has a small percentage of pit bull and have it returned later because somebody did it. And we also mm -hmm. for landlord purposes. And so I think there's a time and a place if we're a rescue and we're not sure. But you're like me. I've got a couple of dogs here that I'm not sure about um, that are probably half Neo and half Corso. But I don't care because for me, I'm just about the dog, just like I'm about the person or the person I'm dating. I don't care where they're from i care about who they are exactly so you have a great pack and all your dogs have different muzzles so eos looks like a staffy to me and I then say maybe more a little more american bully i would say yeah she's like a staffy american bully and then wilson is like an old school red american pit bull yep. Yep. his eyes are black it's hard to see but if when before he was unhealthy he probably had amber eyes wilson is very healthy what are you talking about look at him and then you got Big Snoop, who's probably, you know, a good 65, American. 70 pounds on the large. Uh, 60. Yeah, 60 pounds. 60. And then, you know. Probably a hand stuff, I would say. Ever since I've known you, you've got a look. You have a pip, you have a look that you look for, and all your pit bulls are very consistent until OG. Yep. They've opened. Yep. And you know why I changed his name? You know why I changed his name, right? Well, OG's a horrible name. Okay, well, okay. I mean, OG, um, original gangster, right? I mean, it's cute. I kind of get it, but I'm like, as being a person who stands up for what what I feel is the largely misconstrued reputation of this amazing, beautiful, loving type of dog. I don't want my dog to have gangster in its name. No, it's I'm not into it. My iconic course, my iconic courses are Alice, Gertie. Faith and Mavis. As opposed to like Bruiser and Killer and Chopper? Yeah. It, old white lady names. Yep. Old yep. grandma names. Exactly. And my next one, Mina. <laughs> oh, I'm going to name a dog Kyle now. <laughs> oh, my God. Those dogs are definitely going to be killed. Beautiful girl that walked in the dog park calling Kyle. Kyle, I was so excited when I saw her. And then this dog went running up to her and she leashed it and left. <laughs> 
Well, Mina, <laughs> tell, tell Kyle about the two dogs that you brought in a couple years ago. And what did you name them? Rick and Ramon. <laughs> Rick and Ramon. <laughs> Great. Two brothers. Naming a dog. When I can't think of a name, I think of people that I like. I think of places. Exactly. Same here. Event. Tell us the story about the Shiba Inu. That's a that's a purebred dog. How did it end up in rescue? It's a puppy mill dog. Um, I'm just cleaning out a puppy mill at the moment. This is not anything to do with my sanctuary, but I'm just doing it as a personal thing because puppy mill um, they sell within Japan or they export. Yeah, to it's in it's in this this city as well. And how old and is that dog? This one's only probably two or three years old. I went Maybe. to get, uh, they're cleaning out the labs first. And then yesterday I went to pick up labs, but they gave me a golden retriever, a black lab that might be pregnant because she's lactating. Wow. But they also said that she, she just ate her puppies. Um, so it might be milk that's left over. Um, yeah. I called a vet yesterday to ask why she might eat puppies. Um, they said it's probably stress or something. Um, and then I have a Sheba and there's not a lot of Shebas here. You know, obviously it's not a popular mm -hmm. dog, but that color, how many, like, what is that? One in 10, one in 20. Like, I don't see the, I've never seen a black one here like that. I've we never seen one that color either. That was pretty surprising. I have, um, I've, I've had probably three or four Shebas, black and tan Shebas. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, I don't really do many Shebas, but half of the ones that I have uh, brought in have been black and tan. I've never brought one in for training. They're kind of aloof like chows. They just do their thing, you know? They're, yeah, they're very independent. They don't cause trouble. You go to the dog park, they do their thing, but they don't. Once in a while, they get a little sprint and you think they're going to play, but then they stop. Yeah, but just, they're very... Um, the Japanese, they didn't know how to train their dogs. They just... Uh, hundreds of years ago when they when they developed this dog they were just like okay i have my farm you do your thing and they just became very independent and fend for themselves and there's, they're it, easy to have around but not yeah, with are. other dogs if you spend a lot of time online about dogs people say well, this is the smartest dog that's the pigs are smarter than dogs. they're not smart i hate when people say shiba inus are done they're not dumb they're independent they're like chows yeah. they want to be left alone chows love their families outside of their families at a dog park if you walk up to a chow they could care less if you pet it or don't pet it they usually just walk the other way. Um, they're not going to cuddle up with you on the sofa. Of course, there's going to be somebody come on here and say, my child sleeps on my neck. But I'm generalizing. Pitbulls, they need to be on you. They have no sense of personal space. Mm -hmm. They are Velcro dogs. And thankfully, sorry, Rick, this is going to sound horrible. But as an advocate, thank God the popularity has died down. How many pitbulls have lost their lives in the United States due to just overbreeding? Yep. I just... You know, I go on Craigslist and you punt. They're just not. It's just Frenchies and Corsos. And it's really good that people moved on. Because, a lot of Huskies, of course. Oh, man, that video I made the other day. Huskies, Shepherds, and Corsos. And then you got to throw in your, your uh, what's it called? Um, not trivial. What's that word? Where you're doing a commercial and you have to have one Asian person or one black person. Your token. token. There's always that token pit bull still at the shelter. But it's a dying breed. I love the breed. I, I was voted the best pit bull trainer in LA. I, my life has been chronologized. I've, I've been to jail saving these dogs, but I'm kind of glad that they, the popularity has died down. 
Even the golden doodles and labradoodles are dying down because they are so hyper. They're not trainable in the, in the, mm. tra in the training world. We call them hyper doodles because the attention span is so bad. And My sister just got one. She did the oh. thing that I really hate and surprised her family with a Christmas puppy or something. I'm like, don't do that. It's a family decision. Well, it's, it wasn't it wasn't a girlfriend or a boyfriend, so it's family. It, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, that's disaster. Because when that relationship ends, yeah, that, that's bringing true. Her, bringing home her family is the less of two evils. It's family. That's true. Is that in Japan? Uh, no, she moved to England, but she doesn't really talk to me. What part of I don't blame her. What part of England are you from? <laughs> Ouch! Uh, I'm from London, but they uh, my family's in Eastbourne now, so south near Kent. My favorite rescuer and the, one of the most prolific rescuers is from London. She's here now. Her name is Nikki Carvey, and she runs Road Dogs. Road Dogs is looking for a sanctuary now. They are a medical rescue for bully breeds, pit bulls, bulldogs, French oh, nice. bulldogs, bulldogs, just uh, spina bifida, uh, glaucoma, uh, hydrocephalus. She does a lot of hydro dogs because of the inbreeding here, a lot, uh -huh. of high, a lot of IVDD, a lot of stuff you don't see in Japan. But so what, um, I know Japan has a lot of golden retrievers. I've only got one here. I've got one, two, three, four labs, and then um, three more labs in foster at the moment. I've got German Shepherd, Husky, and a couple of pit bulls. And I have some... a question for my own, for my own uh, talking to you but I don't want the podcast to go there. Um, is there like Korea and Philippines and China, is there a meat trade in China or no for dogs? Is it not a cultural thing? There, well, Japan is quite um, uh, against dog meat um, oh, consumption, but there is also a place in Japan where they still eat dog meat. So it's advanced, but then the, you go around the corner in the back streets in the mountains and they're still eating dogs. Well, it is what it is. That's, you know, you're, it's how you're raised. They, they don't, the age, this is one thing I'm going to get a lot of hate for. Asian people don't come here and stand outside of our factory farms with chickens and cows. Why do we go there? We have enough, we euthanized 6 million dogs last year in the United States. Leave these people alone. I mean, if you're stealing a pet and putting it in the meat trade, well, you're a piece of shit and you just get thumped in the skull. Mm -hmm. but these dogs eat like we do cows and chicken we don't we go there and we make you guys look not you guys but korea indonesia africa boglatanga um yeah. and all these third world countries they don't come here and bother us so if you're going to be a vegan you got to be a vegan across the board you can't just be a vegan and go sick all these rescues that go there leave your money here we got to fix the dog problem here and we got to fix chicago and we got to fix our own thing and then let them worry about what they've been we've been eating as Americans, cows and fish for thousands of years, that's what they do. But when it comes down to stealing people's dogs and selling the meat trade, well, then you're just a piece of shit. I think we're having, oh. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, he was starting to have connectivity issues, I think. Yes, but uh, that is a good place to wind it down because we are at one hour and 20 yep. minutes. We can do that, yes. Um, Kyle, we lost you for a minute there. Yeah, I got we, you. I'm back. What me and I were saying very quickly was we could probably talk Wrap to you up. for days about fascinating subjects. <laughs> um, this has been great. We usually go about an hour. Um, 
and we're, we're well over it, but it's been great, man. I, I'd like to stay out all night. Seriously, I would. But I know you have to feed your dogs, um, Kyle and Mina. Everybody, everybody ate. I got a one-liner. I got a, I got a one-liner for both of you guys. Because yes. one of you is an advocate and a pit bull owner. The other one is a pit bull rescuer. So, Rick, starting with you and then go to Mina. In a nutshell, <laughs> why should you own a pit bull and why shouldn't you own a pit bull? And then I want to hear from Mina. You're, you from being an owner and an advocate and then from her rescuing. That was so funny, Kyle. I was actually going to do the almost essentially the same exact <laughs> question for you as a wrap-up. Um, so we will throw that back to you. All right. What, why, why should you own a pit bull? Um, let me try to do, you said a minute. I usually get on time, but I'm not going to be good here. There's a lot more than a minute's worth of reasons. Um, despite the fact that they're not the popular go-to dog anymore and that the numbers are decreasing in the shelters, God bless. The first is to, I'm allowed to have five dogs at this house. It's actually on my lease with my house. Great landlord. Bengal Pass, that brought me to four. I'm going to have five dogs because, not because I personally need five dogs, because that allows me to take one more deserving dog who has an undeserved reputation. And because of that reputation has ended up in this sad situation where he or she is probably ultimately going to be euthanized. And I get to change that one dog's life. That's one reason. The other big reason, dude, is because I fucking love them for all the reasons that you were talking about. Last night, I'm letting Yogi sleep on the bed now. That started about a week ago. So, 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 so one reason is advocacy. And now you're going into your second the reason. Personal reason. Yes. The emotional. Dude, I love them, man. It's like I got five flipping pit bulls on my bed. I've got a big king size bed, <laughs> you know, California King. Still gets a little snug with them all on there. But, dude, I wouldn't change it for anything. It's like, other than Wilson, the other four are all on the sofa right now. And that's where when you I'm When you get up to go to the bathroom or go to the kitchen, which one hops off first to follow you? Or are they at the point now where they don't care? No, Yogi still, because he's the new guy. He's the newest. Uh, yeah, yeah. It always goes that way. You know that. It was Moose who was Snoopy before that. Um, I still will end up with uh, with Yogi and Moose and Snoopy in the bathroom if I'm there long enough. But um, or or they all hover by the shower when I'm in the shower. And what what is that? And licking the door, the condensation on the door. Oh, yeah, the door. On the shower door. Personally, it's like when I look at them, when I put my hands on them, I just feel happy. That's it, yeah. man. And it's this breed. I can't explain it, but there's something that draws me to them. They're, They're the good sweetest living creature on this planet, other than Mina, of course. Um, yeah, that's why. Isn't it horrible that the name pit bull is, so pit is a fighting ring is the pit, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, they weren't bred to fight. They were bred to bait bulls, but we, we, anyway, that's not even the real name. Mina, what about you? What Nina, what's your personal dog? What do you own? Um, I have now a Husky, uh, which I took in and, uh, toy poodle chihuahua mix. Don't ask. <laughs> a little Brillo pad. Huskies, mm -hmm. Huskies are an epidemic here, an epidemic. The energy. I also are, have one pit bull as well. You have a pity. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. always. So, Kyle, why yeah. you? What? What? You're the 
top pit bull guy in LA. Why the pit bull? Uh, I just, I, I always want people to tell me I can't do something. So when people tell me they have a dog and it's been through six or seven trainers and it can't be fixed, I want to fix it. That's it. it for me, it's about, I love, I just, it's so egotistical. I just want to prove people wrong. Um, are there dogs I haven't been able to fix? Yeah, of course there's dogs that are wired wrong. There's people that are wired wrong. I had a dog I couldn't fix. My friend Robert couldn't fix. We did an MRI. The dog had a brain tumor. But for the most part, if you give a pit bull structure and you're consistent, because dogs only learn in two ways, consistency and repetitiveness. And you do that, not all dogs will be equal. Of 10 dogs, one pit bull will excel in, in, um, in obedience and the other one will pull on the leash its entire life, but we may be able to get it pulled less. So we make, just like people, every dog has a, has a capacity to do so much. So that's why dogs fail out of the police department or they fail out of the service dog program for the blind because they don't have that capacity. Not every dog is an Elon Musk. Some dogs are Kyle Schwab's and Rick Bassman's. They don't make it. So, um, and on a really the, bad day, Mina Martinez is. But anyway, yeah. I did this, you know, I started this in 91 because there was an influx of these dogs. And every week on the news, either a kid got killed or mauled or someone lost their face. And those days are, are gone because people are becoming responsible. And wow, I'm going to say it. I've been saying it for 31 years. If you own a pit bull and, and, and people hate me, they'll unfriend me tonight. I'll lose 100 friends. If you own a pit bull, it's like owning a gun. So guns don't kill people. People kill people. If you have a pit, you got to fix it. You got to exercise the shit out of it. You got to micromanage it. And when you're not home, crate, rotate, and segregate. Crate, mm -hmm. rotate, segregate. Know when you go out with your friends for sushi and you come home relaxed. You're not coming home to a bloodbath. You leave your proven pair out and then you crate everybody else. Because here's the deal. They're going to sleep when you're gone regardless. So they might as well sleep in their crate because here's things you can't control. Branches hitting the roof of your house, wind, an alarm going off, someone knocking at your door, and then everybody converges on the front door and then they redirect on each other. I don't care. Your dog can go 10 years without a fight until they redirect that one time. And that's it. So at the end of the day, if you do those things, you will successfully own that dog, micromanage them, not to the point where you're so anal that you can't leave the house these people get crazy but enough that they know their place set mm -hmm. set boundaries there's nothing wrong with a negative correction or spatial pressure or staring at your dog the wrong way or even speaking to it like i yelled at mavis to be quiet so i can do this but she wants attention she hears me i'm in the other room it's a bad behavior it's a bad behavior and I, i'm not going to put up with bad behavior so i'm not going to go there she doesn't deserve a punishment but she still gets corrected shouldn't do anything wrong so I put her outside. She probably had to pee. That's it. You can correct a dog and everybody thinks positive this, cheese, praise. No, you can negatively correct a dog and set down a negative enforcement correction oh, without ever touching your dog by just mm -hmm. looking at it. Like wives look at their husband, like Jada Pinkett Smith looked at Will Smith. <laughs> That's a punishment right there. You so know, anyway. Yes, it is. With all this talk, about our pit bulls and managing them and staying on top of them. Um, I need to uh, I need to show you. Oh, where's Yogi? Oh, Yogi went to the other sofa. He still does that on occasion. But this is what this is the unruly horde I'm dealing with here at home. We've been on. This oh my God! An, an hour and a half now. We've been on this call, and this is uh, 
what we've had the whole time. Eels, Eels. Eels and Moose and Snoopy. Here comes Wilson to his fuzzy white blanket. And normally, Kyle, these days, Yogi is on this sofa, but he still retreats to his red velvet and leopard skin sofa. Every Listen, Rick, Rick, look, he needs an escape from you. Thank God you have a second bedroom. <laughs> right? That's Yeah, or the second sofa. Right, exactly. There you go. He's like, this guy in his podcast, I'm going to be over here. <laughs> anyway, man, great having you on, Kyle. Thanks for doing this. Been hey, Rick. Get you hey, on. Rick. Yeah, man. Rick, give yeah, her yeah. a shout out. Sherry, who rescued OG from the street, from the homeless Sherry, woman. Sherry Stankowitz, yes. Yeah, she's in the hospital tonight. She had double hernia surgery. They're keeping oh, her shoot. up tonight just to monitor her. Sherry, me and Yogi and Mina and all the rest of us send you our very best, my friend. She's been working in a lot of pain and uh, putting putting it aside for the dogs. And she finally bit the bullet and, and did it. Good, good. Well, Sherry, if it helps at all, rest easy. Know, knowing that your boy Yogi is good. I, is told her, I told her you're feeding him once a week. She's cool. We're good. <laughs> good week. You got it. Yep. Mina. It was very nice to meet you. I'm going to keep in touch with you. Oh, I like 100%. you. How, how often do you come to the States? I've been once in my life. Brick, what do we? What, let's make this. Come on, she's running. You know how it is. She's a woman running a sanctuary. I can't travel. I can't travel because my anxiety. But I'll take on three dog fighters and get my ass kicked. But I can't get on an airplane. I'm, what's wrong? I'm wired wrong. I'm gonna come to you. I'm coming to you. Um, maybe next year once we've got the new place up and running. I do maybe, plan to come back and visit different sanctuaries and rescuers. Maybe we could have you some speak at some venues like schools. We can set it up beforehand. Oh, yes, please. To make people aware of your sanctuary. Thank you. I'd love yeah. that. We'll make yeah. it happen. Nice seeing both of you. This is a great hour plus. Thank you, guys. This is the best, so looking best looking group of podcasters I've ever been on live with. <laughs> with, with without <laughs> question. At least you two. I'll, I'll, I'll thumbs up to that. Yes. All right, kids. Oh, God. Have a good night, all. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And Mina, that was fun. It was fun. It was everything that I hoped it to be. And that was, that was half really an hour fun. more. I, yes. And I, I like your new background there. That's a new look for you. I haven't seen that before. This is a different room completely. I had to come here because the Shiba was just barking and barking. Um, if I'm not there, just barks all the time. So I'm here today. Well, we had a nice, quiet, glitch-free podcast, and that's a good thing. I'm really glad you and Kyle met. I've been wanting to introduce you two for a long time. That yeah, was... you've been talking about him for a very long time. Yeah, it's fun getting to watch the two of you interact. That was cool. That made that made my day for sure. Nice. Well, my dear, good seeing you as always. Yes, same here, and let's keep pushing forwards. You got it. Have a great day, Mina. You too, Rick. Thank you. Bye. Rick and Mina signing out the Pitbull podcast. Love those pit bulls. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.